0: Chapter Twenty Two of Ideala. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Amy Vandenberg. Ideala by Sarah Grand. Chapter Twenty Two. For quite three months we heard nothing of ideala but we were not alarmed as she often neglected us in this way when she was busy at last however Claudia received a note from her written in pencil and in her usual style it has been dull down here to a degree she said i am beginning to think we are all too respectable our respectability and imbecility nearly allied i wonder but don't tell me i don't want to know all the trouble in the world comes from knowing too much and then i'm so dreadfully clever If people take the trouble to explain things to me i am sure to acquire some of the information they try to impart i heard of the block system the other day it sounded mysterious i like mystery and i went about in daily dread of having it all made plain to me by some officious person one day i was sitting on a rail above the line watching the trains a workman came and sat down near me it is very hard to have a workman sit down near you and not to talk to him so we talked and before I knew what was coming, he had explained the whole of that block system to me, only fancy, and I may never forget it, it is quite disheartening. He said he was a pointsman, and I asked him if he would send a train down a wrong line for fifty pounds. He said fifty pounds is a large sum, and he and a mother depending on him. The people here are delicious, I think I shall read a book about them some day. Have you felt the fascination of the trains? My favourite seat here is a lovely spot just above where they pass, I can look down on them and into them the line winds rather through meadows and between banks where wildflowers grow and under an ivied bridge or two and by some woods and the trains rush past some slow some fast and now and then comes one that is just a flash and roar and i cling to the railing for a moment till it passes and quiver with excitement feeling as if i must be swept away i look at the carriage windows too trying to catch a glimpse of the people and i always hope to see a face i know "'in that lies all the charm. "'I seem to be expected in town, "'and some Scotch friends have asked me "'to pay them a visit en route. "'I should like to go that way above everything. "'One would see so much more of the country. "'But I daren't go to London while the bishop is there. "'He's making a dead set at me again, "'confirmation this time, "'and I am afraid if he heard of my arrival "'he would do something rash, "'dance down the row in his gaiters, perhaps, "'which might excite comment, "'even if people knew what he was after.' and then she went on to say she had been a little out of sorts and very lazy and she thought that the north county air would brace her nerves and if we would have her she would like to go to us at once she arrived late one afternoon and i did not see her until she came down to the drawing-room dressed for dinner i had not thought anything of her illness she made so light of it and i was therefore startled beyond measure when she appeared my dear i exclaimed involuntarily what have they done to you you're a perfect wreck well so i thought she answered but i did not like to tell you i was afraid you might think i was trying to make much of myself wrecks are so interesting there was a large party starting in the house and i had no opportunity of speaking to her that evening but the next morning she came into my studio with a brave assumption of her old manner i cannot tell how it was that i knew in a moment she had broken down but i did know it and i could only look at her Perhaps something in my look showed her she had betrayed herself, for all at once her false composure forsook her, and she stretched out her hands to me with a piteous little gesture. "'What am I to do?' she said. "'Will it always be like this?' But I could not help her. I turned to the picture I was working at, and went on painting without a word. By and by she recovered herself, and began to talk of other things. I blamed myself afterwards. I ought to have let her tell me then, but I had no notion of the truth— I only thought of her husband and i selfishly shrank from encouraging her to speak complaint seemed to be beneath her but i know now that she never wanted to make any complaint of him to me it was of her new acquaintance that she longed to tell me she had settled the difficulty with her husband without consulting anyone she had returned to his house and remained there as his wife nominally and because he particularly wished that the world should know nothing of the rupture i believe that she had done it sorely against the grain and only because he represented that by so doing she would save his reputation but from that time forward she would accept nothing from him but house-room for she held that no high-minded woman could take anything from a man to whom she was bound by no time more sacred than that of a mere legal contract She was very quiet when she first came to us, but beyond that I noticed nothing unusual in her manner, and after the first I was inclined to think that being out of health accounted for everything. My sister Claudia, however, was not so easily deceived. She declared that Ideala was suffering from some serious trouble, either mental or bodily, and as the days wore on and there was no change for the better in her, but rather the contrary, I began to share Claudia's anxiety." Ideala grew paler and thinner and more nervous. She was oftenest depressed, but occasionally had a natural burst of hilarity that would end suddenly in long fits of brooding. It seems she had at first believed that Lorimer's absence was an intentional slight, and the humiliation coming as it did upon the long train of troubles which had weakened her already both in body and mind nearly killed her. She had been lying for weeks between life and death, and we had known nothing of it, but as her strength returned she began to think she had been unjust to lorimer she could account for his absence in many ways he had been called out suddenly and had left no message because he expected to be back before she arrived but had been detained or perhaps he had left a message with one of the servants whom she had not seen there were so many about the place or it was just possible that he had never received her letter at all a certain number are lost in the post every day and altogether it was more difficult to think badly of the man than to believe that there had been some mistake. But still there was a doubt in her mind, and she bore the torment of it rather than ask for an explanation which might only confirm her worst fears. End of chapter 22